12. And we're going to start at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, and we're going to read verses uh, 3 to 5. And then um, we're jumping over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, so um, just be ready for that. So 2, 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 5, it says this, I think, and this is Paul speaking, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I can be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you too. So now let's uh, slip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And um, from verse 10, and uh, this is in that same letter that Paul's writing to Timothy. Um, and this is towards the end of the letter, and he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, and the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That'll be another sermon sometime. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, he, this is Timothy, continue in what you've learnt and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learnt it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, back in Acts, before this, um, Paul saw Timothy as a young man of God who would, he thought, make a great team member, a great partner in, in the journey, uh, in his church planting journey, on the way to plant churches. He knows Timothy's family, and you can see that clearly here. He knew that Timothy's mother and grandmother were women of, um, of amazing faith, immense faith. He also knew, and if you read the story of Acts, you'll read the whole story, he also knew that Timothy's father was a Greek. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a believer. So Timothy wasn't circumcised. And you'll see that exchange where Paul tells Timothy to go and get circumcised before they head out. Um, but the thing he recognizes is, is this is a young man of God. This is someone who would be an ideal partner for me in the mission because of his great faith and because he recognized the deposit that... Um, Timothy's grandmother and mother had made in his lives. He knows the excellent foundation. And this is the kind of man that he wants. This is the kind of man the kingdom needs. And now, in, uh, in 2 Timothy, as he's nearing the end of his life, um, he's in his second imprisonment. The first imprisonment was kind of cushy. Well, cushy. It was house. He was in a house prison, so he was allowed to stay at home, but he was a, a prisoner. But now, um, Nero is in power, and he's now in a really horrible gulag, like a, a bad prison, and he knows that he's very, very close to the end. And he's really keen to see that the message of the kingdom continues to go forward, and he wants key people like Timothy uh, to know that. And he wants to encourage Timothy to continue on building the great foundation, which he got from his mother and grandmother. And he says in that second one, from those who taught it to you, you know. And from infancy, not just, you know, once you got old enough to understand and read. No, from infancy, from right. And I was reading something, we were talking about that in the office this week. And there's some versions that, that say, you know, from childhood. And I like the NIV version, that's why we're using that today. 
because it talks about infancy. And the word in the original language talks about even from the womb, there's this sense that a child knows and picks up impulses right from womb and baby. And so that, that Paul sees that investment from the mothers and grandmothers right from that point in time. So what did they teach him? How did they disciple him? They taught him who God is or was, is. They taught him that God is the Lord. They taught him that there is Yahweh, that there is someone that we honor. There is somebody that created this earth that is in charge of everything. They taught him first and foremost, this young boy, who God is. And then they taught him who he was. They taught him values, character, that character formation, his identity in Christ. They taught him that he was someone that God intended, that God created everything and that he was a gift from God. They taught him his place in the world. They taught him respect. They taught him hard work. And he would have been a part of the system of worship that they, they, had in, they, they lived in in those days as Jews. He would have gone with his mother and grandmother to the synagogue, to the tabernacle. They would have, he would have understood the sacrificial system. He would have seen and he would have heard the stories from generations, not even just mother and grandmother. He would have the great-grandmother, the great-great-grandmother. He would have got all of the history and the stories of a great God and why we live this way and why we honor this God and how we live in society and what our place is in this world, that we, are, we belong to Yahweh, that we are God's people. They taught him to have a biblical perspective, a God perspective on the world, that it wasn't all about him. You know, the early Jewish system wasn't about, there was no room for selfishness. It was family, it was community, it was God. It was we, we give to God, we are part of something much bigger than ourselves. They taught him to have that perspective, to see the world as a place that God created and that God is still moving in. They taught him how to honour that. They taught him he would have known the festivals. He would have known that God is good. Yahweh is good. He takes care of us. So they would have taught him to have a biblical or a God perspective of the world. They would have taught him the practices of a follower of God. And I've talked a little bit about that. Some of the things that they did, those were very important. Sacrifice, cost, effort. That you went to an effort for Yahweh. That you went to the temple. And when you went to the synagogue, you went with praise in your heart, that you were ready to honor the King of Kings, that you brought the best that you offered, that you went to the festivals, that you didn't think, well, I'm going to stay home this morning because I had a hard night last night. They taught him what it meant to be a, the follower of God, the practices of a follower of God, that those things are very important. They would have taught him that he was part of a community. It takes a village. They would have taught him that you can't just be an island, that the community, that family matters, that, it, that everyone's important and that we are a community and that God's called us as a people, plural, not as a person, first and foremost. They would have taught him to take his place in the continuing of biblical history. When Paul came to call him to go, they would have been part of the encouragement. They would have given him his first packed lunch. You know, off you go. The story must go on. The kingdom must come through us, God's people. He would have known that. There would have been a part of him. And this is what Paul saw in, in that young man, Timothy. And he decided that his mission could profit from this, that his mission to plant churches, to bring the kingdom where it wasn't yet, could grow 
through Timothy's input in the mission as well. So how did these, this mother and grandmother do all this? You know, did they run classes for him? Um, homeschooling? Well, maybe actually they did kind of homeschool a bit. You know, I think what they, what probably taught him more than anything is they lived the faith that they've been given. You know, there was a lot of oral tradition and of course they, saw, they told stories and the forefathers and of all that God had done. But they lived it out, the grandmother and the mother. <clears throat> they lived the faith that they'd been given. There was this generational sense in that what Timothy wasn't picking up was just what his mother had learnt. He was picking up what they lived for generations, what they understood for generations. And it goes on. They lived out the consistent values that they had been taught and the things that, that they were told and they understood were sacred. So that Timothy wouldn't just do what's important, but that he would know what's important. You see, we can teach our children to do stuff. But what we want to teach them is to know what's good to do. And they would have taught him to know what's important. Their lifestyle would have made that a part of him. They would have under, he would have understood and known what his destiny was. That he was a person of God. That he was part of God's people. And that that wasn't up for grabs. That wasn't a po- there wasn't a point in his life where he could say, well, now I'm 18, so I'm going to say, well, now I'm not or I am. He just was. He was one of God's people. Interesting when you think about that. They didn't just send him to church or to a Christian school or to youth on Friday nights or to catechism classes or to turbo kids or to... Oh no, I haven't got all that written down, but I'm making it up as I go. They didn't just send him to stuff. They might have sent him to classes. In those days, there were classes, but they lived it. They didn't just say it. They actually lived it. And there's this little thing I, I want to read you. Um, these four pastors were, um, were having a chat one day. Um, you know, it gets interesting when pastors get together, doesn't it, Glenn, at uh, pastors and conferences. But these pa- four pastors were just shooting the breeze and, and talking. And as it so often happens, the conversation sh- always drifts to shop talk. And um, the first pastor says, well, you know, they were talking about versions of the Bible. First pastor says, I prefer the King James Version of Scripture for its eloquent use of the English language. The second pastor says that no Bible can match the New American Standard for its faithfulness to the original Greek and Hebrew text. Well, that may well be, said the third, but I prefer the New International Version for its contemporary language and its easy readability. There was a thoughtful period of silence, and then the fourth pastor said, well, I like my mother's translation the best. It was with some surprise that the others said, we didn't know that your mother translated the Bible. Yes, she did, he said. She translated it into her daily life and it was through that translation that I came to faith. You know, and that was, that's Timothy's story. It wasn't that they made him read the original scrolls or read out what the forefathers, they lived the faith. And that's how he became a person of faith. That's foundational and that is high impact discipleship, isn't it? And it clearly worked and it clearly still works. So for mums, does that sound like a chore? Does that sound hard, like a lot of pressure? Such a high standard or goal? Does it? 
it feel sound like something attractive or wow okay um hang on let me think about that well you know today is about honoring you not guilting you this is not about sort of saying see look at timothy's grandmother mother what's wrong with you that's not what it's about but i want you to be able to see mothers and the rest of us i want you to be able to see how much children learn from you how much they look up to you even the teenagers who will never ever no way not in your life ever admit it that they look up to you i want you to know how much they really do it's a privilege and it's not only just for you as mothers to be able to do that to be disciples but for for children and for us as children to be discipled by you and we want to be hugely thankful to god for our mothers and for that level of discipleship we want to understand it and be hugely thankful for it mothers and grandmothers you model to us some of the character of christ and that's discipleship the sacrificial role of a mother which is you know let's be honest is so much more sacrificial often than than us guys that's just a glimpse of the character of christ it's just a glimpse of the love of christ his 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 willingness to sacrifice for us and we get to see a little bit of that in you mothers we get to see a little bit of the character of christ jesus went a long way to see that we would be with him in glory mothers go a long way to sacrifice to see that we will understand what it is to belong to jesus but mothers it wouldn't be me if there wasn't a little challenge in there for you as well it's a reminder that you are one of the key if not the key for some seasons one of the key influences in the lives of kids in some pretty strategic ways and if i read back over the list those ways haven't changed a whole lot you teach us who god is you help us understand who god is you teach us who we are you help us to understand our values our character that character formation that identity in christ you teach us that too you teach us to understand our place in the world where we belong how we belong who what we're for you teach us to have a biblical perspective a god a bigger perspective of this world you teach us to respect you teach us hard work you teach us that generations before us have done hard work to bring us where we are today you teach us that it's not all about us you teach us to honor god and you teach us that god is good and we see that in you that god is good you teach us the practices of a follower of god and we whinge about that sometimes i don't want to sit in church mum why do i have to go teenagers or you teach us you send us to to sunday schools you send us to turbo kids you send us to youth you you take us along to things you um make sure we're schooled at great schools you understand that the practices of being a follower of god are important for us as children you teach us that you teach us sacrifice you teach us that it's an effort and that it can cost and we see that in you you teach us that we're part of a community You take us to a church and say it's not all about you. This is a community. We're a, we're a church. We're a body of believers. You teach us about family communities and other communities we're a part of. 
you teach us to respect that community. You teach us to take our place in continuing the story of God. You teach us that we're important, that we're not incidental, that it's not just the guys up front or the youth leaders or those spiritual people, but you, child, every one of you has a place in God's story and you can take that and you can be a part of that. And you believe that we can because you know that that's a God-given destiny. You teach us that the kingdom, the story must go on, the kingdom will continue and it will happen through us. We understand that because of you, because of God using you. And again, it's not necessarily just by sending us to school or running lessons, it's who you are. And it's how you model who and what is important in life. We see Jesus in you. We understand who God is through you. We watch you, mums, even though you don't think we do. What's important? Where does your time go? Do you have a relationship with God that I can see? How do you talk to God? What do you say about God? You're probably sitting there saying, Andrew, do you even know how crazy life gets for me? Do you even know how nuts it is at times? When and how do I get to do all this? And how do I get to remember all this? And, and, and when are my kids watching me? How do I know when they're not so that I can mess up? Because my life is really hard. I'm running to school, I'm running to sport, I'm doing this, I'm cooking dinner, I'm doing this, we've got a church function on, I've got to get you to youth. I've got to, it goes on and on, doesn't it? When and how do I do this? I want to read you a story about a lady called Susanna Wesley. And you'll understand who she is in a minute. John Wesley and his brother Charles. Anyone know John and Charles Wesley? John Wesley and his brother Charles, leaders of a great revival and authors of many hymns, reflect that their mother taught them about God and always modeled the daily relationship with God. She said that she spoke to him daily and they knew it because they saw it. She told them that it is he that makes life great, that he is a good God. They were in awe of their mum's natural and direct relationship with God. But let, you, let me tell you that she said this in this context. This is a short version of her life story. Susanna Wesley was married to a preacher. They had 10 children, of which two grew up to bring millions of souls to Christ. We know those two, don't we, John and Charles? That would be John and Charles. It's a powerful story if you stop there, isn't it? But behind the door of her home, hopeless conditions were the norm. She married a man who couldn't manage money. What is that? Pastors can't manage money. It's not possible, is it? No. She married a man who couldn't manage money. They disagreed on everything from money to politics. They had 19 children, all except 10 died in infancy. Sam, her husband, left her to raise the children alone for long periods of time. One of their children was crippled. Another couldn't talk till he was nearly six. Susanna herself was desperately sick most of her life and there was no money or food for anything. Debt plagued them. Sam was once thrown into a debtor's prison because their debt was so high, which doubled their problems. Twice the homes they lived in were burnt to the ground, losing everything they owned. It was assumed that their church members did it because they were mad at what Sam was preaching. <laughs> we moved. Someone slit the cow's udders so they wouldn't have milk, killed their dog and burnt their flax field. 
When Susanna was young, she promised the Lord for every hour she spent in entertainment, she would give God that same hour in prayer and in the word. Taking care of the house and raising so many kids made this commitment nearly impossible to fulfill. She had no time for entertainment or long hours in prayer. She worked the gardens, milked the cows, schooled the children, managed the entire household herself. So she decided instead to give the Lord two hours a day in prayer. Well, she struggled to find a secret place to get away, you can imagine, with ten kids. So she advised her children that when they saw her with her apron over her head, that meant she was in prayer and she could not be disturbed. And they never disturbed her when they saw that. She was devoted to her walk with Christ, praying for her children and the knowledge in the word, no matter how hard life was. Now, that's not to make you feel guilty, mothers. That's just to say kids see stuff. And you can have a relationship with God and they'll see where you have your relationship. And they probably saw all the other stuff. But for John and Charles Wesley, what stood out was that. They saw the tough stuff. They saw the burning. They had the pain. But they saw that and they thought, that is amazing. Check it out. Discipleship is living out our faith so that others can see what it means to be a follower. Mothers, you have the privilege of doing that with little and not so little humans at key stages of their lives. And it's interesting to see that generation thing going on in Timothy because I think that's true for us as well. I'm sure that even his grandmother probably told him things that her mother and grandmother said. And some of us are living now, in our day and age, we're now living with three generations alive and we're hearing wisdom from the generations. You know, and for young people, and, and I was young once, believe it or not, you know, you often hear the wisdom of the people above you and you think, what do you know? Mark my words. Mark my words. It's interesting to see that that generational thing is there with Timothy as well. Remember, mums, God called you to this because he knew that he could and would equip you with all that you need to be a discipling mother. He knew you were what is needed to form the lives of generations of followers and you've been doing that. Stay close to him. Pray that he'll continue to give you wisdom to display, to show that character of Christ as you raise your family. Today, we want to honour you and we want to recognize the place that God gave you in our lives, not just as mothers and carers, but as disciples, as people that make us better kingdom people and grow in the kingdom. We want to thank God for you. We want to thank Him for giving you to us. And we want to thank you for your dedication, your willingness, and your work, and the love that you show us. We want you to know that you're loved and that we're grateful for you. Today, mothers, may you be encouraged, not as you only live as followers of Christ yourself, but also as you multiply the kingdom through living out the calling of God to be mum. I'm going to finish here, and I'm just going to finish this week. Um, I just decided to ask a question of a number of people I came across this week. And um, as I came across them, I asked them a simple question. I said, can I film your answer to that? And I didn't want to do too many or all of them, but I've got a collage of of people, many that you know, and a couple of randoms that you might not know or might know. Um, and I asked them the question, well, I'll let you see what they've asked. Have a watch of this, and then um, after that, I'm just going to pray and invite the worship team up. The thing 
about my mum is that she knows all my flaws and sometimes she lets me know what they are but mostly she just sees the good stuff in me and she encourages me and loves me no matter what I do and I think that's a really good reflection of God's love. Um, God does the same with me. He knows, he knows where I need work but he loves me anyway and shows this through Jesus. What I've learnt about God from my mum is to be able to worship God freely uh, because he is worth it. One thing I learned about faith from my mother is that faith involves sacrifice and generosity. Something that I learned uh, from my mum about God was the power of leaning into prayer and um, praying to God when you're worried or nervous about something coming up. Um, it's something that I put, put into practice for myself. Uh, I remember particularly in year 12 and at yeah, university, um, especially on the mornings of the tests and exams that I hadn't really had a lot of time to study for. One thing I learned from my mother about God is that God has a heart for the poor and so should we. Yeah, one thing I learned from my mother about God uh, would be unconditional love. She, uh, she loves me and she has said many, many times and shown many, many times that uh, there's nothing I'm going to do to make her stop loving me. So that, I feel, reflects God very, very well. One thing I learned from my mum and the way she discipled me, for example, was to always be warm and kind-hearted to uh, the outcasts in society. Um, even if you don't agree with their lifestyle or, um, or if they're a bit strange, just to love them. The one thing I learned from my mother was to put my faith and trust in the Lord that he would see me through life as a result of me uh, putting my faith and trust in him. One thing I learned from my mum is to look for the characteristics of God in people and, um, and to aim to reflect God's character in yourself as well. One thing mum taught me about God is his grace. I could always go to mum and talk to her about anything knowing that I wouldn't be judged and she would talk me through it, guide me through it and it taught me a lot. I can now know that I can always approach God about anything and he will always extend grace to me. So that's something she taught me. Yeah, one thing I learned from my mother is that um, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how tough things look, God is always there. He's always with you and he will not leave you. One of the many things I learned from my mum was a simple faith and trust in an amazing God she's had and continues to have many moments in life where she doesn't really have any other options but to pray and trust and he comes through. little less American maybe. Let's pray. God, we want to um, just echo the words of so many of those people that we just saw uh, of our family and, and, and friends and we just want to recognise that God, you've used our mothers to teach us so much and that we understand and we have a better picture of who you are because of them. We see that your fullness so much better because of them and we recognize your lordship over our lives because of them lord we thank you and we thank you most of all for not just being our father but embodying all of those characters of our mothers as well loving us unconditionally 
being for us, sending your son to die on the cross so that we could live eternally with you. We want to thank you for that. Oh, we want to thank you for giving us a little piece of that here on earth. God, we want to, yeah, Lord, we want to pray for our mothers. We want to... um, We want to ask you to continue to empower them, to equip them, to anoint them for the task, Lord, for the calling, that it isn't a job, it's not incidental, it's not just because um, they've had children that now they have that job, but that you had every intent to use them as kingdom workers, to build us into the people that we are. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to anoint them for that and equip them and help them to understand that they too can go to you any old time. And they too can go and and ask for help and know your help and know your love and know your care. Lord, we we honour them, but we glorify you for being so, um, so intricate and so, um, so detailed to know what we need in every single respect. And Lord, we pray that, um, that your kingdom would come through them and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to, before we finish, we're going to be finishing with a song. If you would like to pray with somebody after the service, and it could be, you know, I just want to tell somebody about my mum or a story or I want to give thanks, um, then there will be people there to uh, pray for you after church. If um, you have something else you would like to pray about or you would like someone to stand with you in, then we would love to pray with you. If not, uh, stay and join us for a cup of coffee. Um, And remember, guys, hug your mum today. Hug your grandmother today. Or hug a mother if your mum's not around. Find one and hug them. Random. Just do it. See what happens. The the ladies that did the walk, just hug them carefully. Okay? All right. Have a great Sunday, guys.